You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to NFL University. This show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBN. NFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBN NFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. KP, it's Justice Mosqueda and Kyle Posey. We got it locked down today. Steven Serta is not feeling good. Sounds like he has a sinus infection. We didn't want to bring him in here and spread that thing around. So it's going to be KP and I running this podcast. Um, we're going to touch some news that's breaking around the NFL. There is a little bit of news, even though, you know, it's mid-June. Um, and then we'll go into kind of what we think the peaks and valleys of these top teams look like. Like, what what does their best-case scenario, what does their worst-case scenario look like in the second half of this podcast? KP, say what's up to the people. Go Braves. What's up? Um, Justin, we were talking about this a little bit before. So, June, we're not getting really into any NFL news. What, what do you do with your time right now? This past week, well, before this, I mean, I was in Vox Union bargaining for like 12 hours a day. So (laughs) I I was keeping myself pretty busy with that. But this past week and weekend really was the first time I missed football for a long time. Where I was like, dang, I would watch random college football game if it were live. And I guess I'm probably going to watch like the the USFL playoff games. I, I, I saw teams are starting to clinch playoff bids so I'm, I'm probably bored enough at this point where i'll do that and you know it's summer you go outside you hang out with some friends went to a bar with uh my buddies last night so that's probably what's going to consume my time until you know late july when like training camp opens up you have like no excuse to go outside that's the problem so you can't just sit inside you can't just scoop up um there's nothing else to do so you have to leave the crib yeah man i I know that struggle. What are we what are we talking about today, man? So this is something that I didn't realize was a developing story, but it caught wind uh last week. Matthew Stafford didn't throw at minicamp or OTAs because he's getting injections into his elbow. Um this has been something that's gone on, I believe this is month three that he's recovering over this injury. You know, obviously he dealt with injuries in season. Uh he, he's not a young pup by any means. What he was drafted in like two thousand eight. Um, the hope is that he can ramp things up by by training camp. I did not realize that Stafford, you know, might not be ready until you know, late July. And like, what what are the, uh, I guess, repercussions of that? Like that that's something that's interesting and probably worth monitoring for you know any football fan, right? Like, think of the Rams. What they're probably one of the top three teams in the NFC that have like clearly established themselves over the rest with you know Green Bay and Tampa Bay, like. This would be a huge story if Matthew Stafford can't go week one. 
yeah, I didn't think much of it either until I saw that it's been since March. So this isn't, this hasn't been like a couple of week thing. And as you mentioned, like his age has to play a factor or just the whole preparation, knowing that he's the quarterback, knowing that their offense, think about everything that changed from going from golf to Stafford and how their offense, how different their offense looked. Um, He was clearly able to hit throws that golf had no chance of hitting or no prayer of hitting. So uh, yeah, man, if you if you even have to waste like a month without having Stafford, they're going to get off to a slow start like that's inevitable. So um, it is definitely something to keep an eye on, something to monitor. I don't know how serious it is, but if it lingers, that's when we have to start talking about it more and more. Yeah, it's definitely more of a keep an eye on this. It's a developing story than like this is actually, you know, for sure going to be a big deal at the same time. I mean, like you said. Right. The, the Rams offense completely changed. They're no longer the the stretch boot team that they were in the past. They were in the gun a whole lot more than they ever were with Jared Goff. They have a new offensive coordinator and Liam Cohen coming from University of Kentucky. You look at their quarterback room. They only have two other quarterbacks on their on their 90 man roster. It's John Wolford and Bryce Perkins. And I don't think Bryce Perkins is going to be, you know, uh, kept on a, a 53-man roster anytime soon. So if Stafford can't go, it's the John Wolford show. And that is oh, a maybe. very different reality than if you have Matt Stafford uh, pulling the trigger. Because, I, I mean, I, I really do think, and we talked about this during the season this past year, but, like, Matthew Stafford, when he was healthy, because he did have that stretch where he was really banged up, when he was healthy, he was the best progression passer in the league, in my opinion, last year. Like he could have been an MVP type of quarterback if he stayed healthy the whole year. I didn't realize how good he was until I started watching. (laughs) And of course, like he's been in the league forever. He was with the Lions. So not everybody really saw the Lions play. And you could see the box scores and, you know, I mean, blah, blah, blah. But just you mentioned progression. Seeing him avoid rushers was something else that I would have never expected. Like, Oh, he is hanging in the pocket against the Ravens, a team who's just going to send everybody unbothered, no problem finding guys, no problem finding guys at different levels too. So, yeah, think about having – going from that level of veteran, that quality of quarterback to a John Wofford to – like what are we talking about win totals-wise? They're double digits now. They would probably be lucky to get to six, to get to seven with Wofford. That's when, you know, you talk to all the – the lines makers and stuff right and they say like the, the best quarterbacks in the league are probably worth like a six point swing for any of these individual games and it's hard to not watch Stafford shuffle up in the pocket and just avoid a rush that's like guys running by him trying to decapitate him his eyes are still downfield and he's going one to two to three and not say you know he's, he's not worth six points he's not worth a touchdown so I, I think that would be a huge swing too um another I guess breaking news deal that just happened. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, safety for the Pittsburgh Steelers, just signed a record-breaking deal, a record-breaking extension. Um, one, do you have any thoughts on that? And then two, the immediate reaction, someone tweeted out, uh, you know, this is good for Jesse Bates and Derwin James. Derwin James obviously is a great talent who just kind of needs to stay healthy. That's always been the rap with him since he came into the league. Jesse Bates, I, I don't know if Jesse Bates is going to get the Minka Fitzpatrick type of money when Mika is making something like uh, we'll, we'll have to see how much of it's real, but it's something between like 16 and $18 million per. I don't, I don't know if Jesse Bates is going to get that. Since Minka joined the Steelers, we're talking like top three safety. 
And I don't know if any numbers can really justify how much of an impact he has, like the plays that he makes for Pittsburgh. So whatever they would have paid him, I'd have been like, yeah, he's worth it. He's 25. Uh, he hasn't missed a game in the past two years. I, I don't think it may be one game, but um, just what they're able to do with him, they can line him up any, like literally anywhere, have him guard essentially anybody. And the plays that he erases, the mistakes that he covers up for other teams is just like second to none. And I, I think Derwin is in, on the same level. So we're talking about Minka. We're talking about Derwin. And old Jesse Bates found his way into the argument because he's going to get paid. Like, we know that. Is it going to be by the Bengals? Who knows? But when I'm talking about making, you know, Minka covering up mistakes for other players, that's not what Jesse Bates does. And if anything, he hangs other guys out to dry by taking chances. And some of those chances do pay off, which in a sense, I don't mind taking gambles like that. But he's a guy who just whiffs so often. And he'll have a play where he'll jump. He's the safety that jumps the crosser and leaves the post open. Like that's who Jesse Bates is in my mind. And we ignore those plays because of the interception, because of the pass breakups. And, and that's just not how football works. So um, if, if I were to list the top 10 safeties, I don't know if I'm putting Jesse Bates in that category, which Bengals don't do it. It's a trap. Do not pay this guy, man. Not to the level that we're talking about. The the Bengals strategy of tagging him was always interesting to me because I, I didn't think, you know, you look at a guy like Devontae Adams, you obviously tag a guy like Devontae Adams, right? Um, a Jesse Bates, maybe not in that scenario. J- Jesse Bates will be able to negotiate a long-term contract with the uh, Bengals, I believe, until like the July deadline. There's some sort of July deadline, and then you can no longer offer them a, a long-term extension. So this should be ramping up on his end anyway. I will say, though, it's kind of people talk about the Bengals right now and they say, you know, they spend a whole lot more money in free agency. But if you actually look at the contracts that they're giving out, they're not giving a bunch of guaranteed money to guys. So like one of them and obviously it's turned out well for them. Right. Like, I I don't think they regret uh, giving Trey Hendrickson some money, but Trey Hendrickson and Carl Lawson essentially got signed to the same terms if you were just looking at the like average per year and the contract length, right? The difference was Carl Lawson left because the Jets were willing to give him more guarantees and the Bengals had to sign Trey Hendrickson because he he wasn't asking for that. So I do kind of wonder with this Jesse Bates thing, if their whole thing is like, we have enough money to give him the franchise tag, but we don't have enough money to kind of give him the signing bonus that a guy of, of that would be franchise tagged uh, would demand early on. And, you know, obviously it's, it's a little too early to kind of be looking forward, but you want to get these guys, his contracts done as soon as possible. Like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are both young guys. So like if, if cash is King for, for the Bengals and they're strapped for it a little bit, um, which they probably are financially more than any team in the league. I know people bring up the Raiders a lot, but if they are, like maybe it's worth saving that money and making sure that you get Burrow and Chase done in a couple of years instead of giving Bates all that. Yeah, I mean, the longer you wait, the more you're going to have to pay. So, like, what if they keep waiting and waiting and waiting and Derwin gets paid? Now what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, you, I feel like you just lose leverage the longer you wait. You, you, you brought up Hendrickson, so you see these contracts and four years, $60 million. Oh, my God, why would you pay him that? When realistically, he got $60 million and guaranteed money. So like that's 
for an edge rusher, you're, you would take that, especially at his age, especially with the production he has. Um, yeah, I just think what like what was their end game? What was their what was their plan when they came to franchising Jesse Bates? And I don't That's know that a, they what had it feels one. like. They should have given him a contract, or they should have traded him, like tag right. trades or something. Like, I, why are they still negotiating with him at this point? Because if you felt have like a, a hold me over, yeah, you have a month. You have a month to get this deal done, and I don't know if anything recently has helped you get any closer. So, um, Robert know, Quinn. Robert Quinn. So Robert Quinn is not at Bears minicamp. Um, he seems to be, you know, one of the big holdouts at this point. You know, obviously people are talking about uh, quarterback situations, right, uh, across the league where, you know, you got to get a deal done with Kyler. You got to get a deal done with Lamar. But Robert Quinn just came off a very productive season, uh, despite the fact that he was drafted in uh, 2011. So he's no spring chicken himself. Good chance he's going to be a trade candidate. Um, I don't know what team would be in the Robert Quinn market, but if they're just going to like give him away, uh, I think every contender should be involved because Robert Quinn is still a very good pass rusher at this point. He had 18 and a half sacks this past year. And mind you, that was with a Khalil Mack, who I believe was dealing with a foot injury the entire season, and, and Akeem Hicks, who was banged up all year, too. So it's not like that Bears team had a ton of depth. Mind you, they're coming off of uh, packaging all those those uh, picks to get Fields and Khalil Mack. So it's not like their depth was super deep either over the past couple of years. Um, what, what are your general thoughts about that? Because that's been a story that's been developing like we've heard that throughout the offseason but it seems like it's finally just like picking up now where it's like no Quinn wants out if you're Quinn why wouldn't you want out um look at what they've done this offseason it's evident that they're going to probably be one of the worst teams in the NFL and maybe that's a little harsh knowing that you know Justin Fields can pull some magic out of his hat but looking at the roster construction I doubt that this is going to be a team that we can take seriously so with that in mind I'm thinking of what teams could come calling for Robert Quinn and you mentioned his numbers what team wouldn't be interested in in 18 and a half sacks and and who knows if he has that type of season again but look at his numbers every year that he's on the field like he's always been productive and coming out of college way back when over a decade ago he was an uber athlete and it seems like he's still playing at a very high level so um the Patriots come to mind I don't know if the Browns are going to be a team that makes any type of move but uh, there, there are fringe playoff contenders that I would say that should be blowing the Bears up right away. So, yeah, I think that he's going to be somewhere else. Maybe maybe they have to wait till midseason, you know, come towards the trade, trade deadline or whatnot. But I, I don't think Quinn's going to play for the Bears, which if I'm the Bears, I'm just I'm going to try to get as much draft compensation as I can for him. But again, they're in a, they're in a situation where they just don't have much leverage. Yeah, I mean. Who did you see? Did you see from. Uh training camp Tevin Jenkins the the one tackle that they really invested in is like on the second line of their offensive line right now nice. and that was the guy that we thought you know they were going to be around their hat on yeah I mean they released their left tackle last year at post draft because of him um, and then they saw you know he had a, a back issue that they were not anticipating so the Bears are definitely in like full rebuild mode you gotta like uh you got to pressure wash the walls, man. There, <laughs> I, I will say it, not even for the borderline playoff teams, but like what if Kansas city was able to pull away Robert Quinn? Like that'd be a huge win for specs. I mean, you'd Packers? be, 
the Packers already have enough pass rushers, man, at this point, I think. Because you have Gary, you have Preston. Um, they just drafted Enigbare. They, they definitely could use another one, but I just don't know if they could take on the salary. Um, just the salary is what matters. So that's fair. Kansas City would be interesting to me, though, just because Spags and then, you know, we saw what happened with the Chiefs last year when they were playing around with Chris Jones and they were like, I don't know, is he an edge rusher? And it was very clear that, like, he's way better inside than he is on the edge. You should just play him inside. So think of the impact that Melvin Ingram had when he joined the team midseason. Yeah. And Robert Quinn is an upgrade for Melvin Ingram. So, yeah, I mean, there are there are plenty of teams who can make an argument for signing Robert freaking Quinn. Yeah. Julio Jones is still out there, by the way. Still out there. OBJ hasn't signed with anyone. Um, let's get or let's take it to break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about these uh, potential peaks and valleys of these top teams in the league. And we're back. So we'll talk about the we have nine teams listed that have uh, a win total of 10 or more. The Buffalo Bills, the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Dallas Cowboys, the Los Angeles Rams, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Denver Broncos, and the San Francisco 49ers. Let's go through like what their best and worst case scenarios look like on the field in this upcoming season. So Buffalo, this is the one that we talked about uh, before the show started. And it's like, what does their what does their nightmare scenario even look like? Aside from injury, let's just assume right. It's not just, you know, hey, the quarterback gets hurt and the backup is starting, right? Buffalo, as it's constructed today, where where are they weak? Because I don't really see a lot. Like, th- there's a reason why they're considered, like, the, the you know, having the inside track of the AFC. Yeah, it would have to involve, like, Josh Allen's arm falling off. And since we're not doing injuries. So, last year, they had a lot of seven-on-seven vibes. They weren't physical. And we talked about that a little bit, where they couldn't really establish – the ground game uh, this off season, not really many changes um, to their offensive line. I actually, and I don't know how you feel about this. I don't mind not over-investing in the offensive line when you have a quarterback who can raise the talent around him. And that's exactly what it seemed like their plan is. So let's say they get predictable. Let's say they get into too many scenarios over the course of the season where that physicality, that lack of physicality comes back to bite them. They can't run the ball. And now uh, defenses are able to, and not so much stop them, but slow them down enough where games are competitive. And instead of 12 and five, or, you know, the 12, 13 win season, now they're closer to nine and 10. That's what, that's what I would imagine. Um, but you look at the roster, drafting a, a, a potentially star cornerback, getting um, Trey White back, they're going to be tough adding Von Miller. So perhaps Von Miller is lost a step. And now you're relying on some of those second year players that we talked about last week. And they don't, you know, they don't turn the corner and take the next step, but it's just so tough to envision any of that happening where I don't know, man, I I would be surprised if they're not the AFC championship. What what do you think their Valley is? Like what would be the worst case scenario for Buffalo? I I think because they're so consistent, right? Um, you look at their offensive line, Deion Dawkins, Roger Saffold, Mitch Morris, Ryan Bates, who, you know, they kind of pulled away from the Chicago Bears, uh, Spencer Brown. And then they have a ton of depth on that offensive line. Tommy Doyle was a fifth round pick last year. They just signed Greg, uh, Greg Van Roten. Um, you know, Cody Ford is there. David Questenberry, who's, who's hung around. 
even have Bobby Hart, who's like not been great, but like he's has NFL experience. Like they have so many guys that it's like the floor should be high because of, because of the depth on this team that I kind of think that your worst case scenario isn't necessarily what Buffalo does, but like maybe New England catches fire. Maybe uh-huh. the Jets finally take that step. Maybe Miami finally takes that step. And maybe that's what gets them to nine or 10 wins, right? Um, instead of, you know, 12 or 13. Like that's the only thing I could think of. If I were to bet on a team, I guess them in Tampa. If I were bet on teams that like for sure will like make the playoffs this year, it'd probably be those two. Yeah, I mean, a lot has to go wrong for Buffalo to not make the playoffs. And you talk about other teams getting hot. Yeah, it would have to be uh, two and on being right about Tua, like that type of thing. Um, okay, after the Bills, who we got up next? Um, Let's go with Tampa. Let's talk yes. about Tampa, just because they're they're kind of the same team uh, to me in terms of like caliber and depth um do you think they're a lock because of the division they play in too yeah I definitely think that helps out I mean I don't think Carolina there was that that rumor that came out from uh Carolina this past week that says like hey they really want to get a deal done to get Baker Mayfield into Carolina before uh you know training camp stuff and it's like whoa how did you change your tune on Darnold over you know t-shirt practices when well. you went through an entire <laughs> off season of him being the guy and you just picked up a guy in the draft. Like, I don't, I don't if get There's that. a quarterback capable of that. It is Sam Darnold. <laughs> I guess so. But I think, yeah, I mean, Tampa, I think they're clearly, you know, the number one team in, in the, in the uh, NFC South, you know, they might be the only team in that whole division that ends up making the playoffs. Their offensive line is still very good. They got three wide receivers. Um, they got, you know, Leonard Fournette's still back there in the backfield. Tom Brady under center, multiple tight ends. Their defense is only getting better. I mean, they added Logan Hall and Akeem Hicks onto the interior. That's going to be nasty next to Vita Vea. Like, if they stay healthy, and they were a little bit banged up last year, right? If they stay healthy, I, I think they're going to be a better team than they were last season. And mind you, this is a team that still, you know, went down to the wire, right, in the playoffs with the Los Angeles Rams. And that game kind of almost felt like, in NFC championship. You could see that game unfolding differently in Tampa Bay winning. Like that's not a stretch yeah. to say that at all. One play. Well, yeah. Right. But Tampa Bay lost Chris Godwin and we don't know when he's going to play. So there's a scenario where teams just put all of their resources to stopping Mike Evans and say, Hey, Russell Gage, you're going to beat us. Hey, Brashad Perriman, you're going to beat us. And maybe that doesn't work out because who knows? I mean, I, I still think that offense is going to be potent enough just because they have Tom Brady. Um, I don't think Leonard Fournette is bad, but when you only have one threat and a defense can put all their resources toward that, it is going to make it uh, more difficult. So that the Valley, um, are we talking like, again, nine wins? I don't know if Tom Brady is ever going to, Getting <laughs> right, that's what I'm I saying. Like, we're, just always we're picking get against digits. history and a long line of history at that. Like, even if you're in a scenario, Rob Gronkowski does retire, right? Because that is still an ongoing potential issue. Rob Rob Gronkowski retires. Chris Godwin takes a little bit more time to get back onto the field than you imagine. I still think Tom Brady can get him to ten. I really do. I'm just not going to pick against Tom Brady. It's too many years, too much evidence behind him. He's got a loaded defense to go to. And that so that takes pressure off that offense having to drop like 24, 27 a game. 
because who's going to score on them? Like who's scoring three touchdowns a game against that front, against that secondary, against the speed that they have at the second level? I just, man, they're tough. They're going to be nasty. The next team, uh, 11 and a half wins is, is their win total. The Green Bay Packers. I kind of see a path here for the Valley. So, so this is what I would say, right? Both of their tackles are going are, are still banged up right now. David Bakhtiari has not played since, uh, what is it, 2021? So there, there's still an issue there. He was not practicing in minicamp. They say hopefully he's going to be ready by training camp. We also heard that last year, right? So I, I'm still a little cautious. Like, I'll, I'll see it when I see it. So let's say David Bakhtiari doesn't start the year off with them. Ellen Jenkins is coming off of an ACL tear. Let's say he doesn't start the year with them. Robert Tunyon, the tight end, is going to start the year on PUP because he tore his ACL. And you look at their wide, their wide receiver unit, and it's probably going to be Alan Lazard as their number one wide receiver, and it wouldn't be surprising if to start the year their wide receiver two was Sammy Watkins. Like, that's, that's the nightmare scenario, right, where it's like Aaron Rodgers doesn't have anyone to throw to. There's not enough team speed out there. They don't have their tackles. And he turns into, you know, 2017 Aaron Rodgers, where it's a whole lot of him throwing the ball away on scramble drills and like yelling and pointing at wide receivers and yelling and pointing at the sideline. Right. That's when the turn happened, when the Internet started to hate Aaron Rodgers and said he was done. I remember that very vividly. Oh, they said Andy Dalton was better than him. I remember. <laughs> I have screenshots. Um, so let's talk about Bakhtiari, because if your hope is the player who started one game last year is going to be ready a month from now and you're kind of crossing your fingers, that's not a good plan. That is a lot of hope. And that could go very wrong very quickly. Their wide receivers around him, they drafted Christian Watson. He's not yes. going to be ready right away. Like wide receivers, everybody thinks of the best case scenario wide receivers. So because Justin Jefferson was good as a rookie, that means all rookies are going to be good. That's not how it works, man. And I know he has Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball to, but he doesn't have Devontae Adams on the other side. So he's going to get a lot of attention, and I just don't envision him being the guy that other people see. So um, I, I don't know that their offense is going to be good, but their defense is going to be even better than I think people imagine. So again, just like Tampa Bay, it'll take some some of the weight off Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. But still, man, um, maybe the conference helps them out here just because, you know, a lot of these teams are middling. So there's not going to be um, powerhouses all over the place. The NFC didn't reload like the AFC did. But still, um, that's a lot of pressure on a defense to perform every week. So you know if my offense isn't going to drop more than 21 a game, I have to be on top of my game every time. Eventually that wears on you. So I, I could see the value here too. Um, best case scenario though. How do they, how do they get to 12? I mean, it's just Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, you have, you have two running backs in Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. You have a great defense and then Aaron Rodgers mass up, you know, whatever your weakness is in the passing game. I would say, I would say that's what it looks like. Um, the defensive thing that worries me a little bit, and I know we're not accounting injuries necessarily here, but they're not super deep on defense. Like if you look at the first line on their depth chart, they might look like the best defense in the league amazing. right now. Yeah. But, you know, interior, you know, at, at both linebacker and the defensive line is pretty good. But on the edges, there's not a whole lot of depth. They got the three corners and that's it. 
they got the two safeties and that's it. They got their two edge rushers and that's it. So the interior, I think they have a little bit more depth, but on the edges, like if some of these guys go down and it's Tipa Nalia, you know, sitting the edge at 230 pounds or whatever he is uh, once more, like that's when San Francisco was able to just run it down their throat. And I could see that happening again. You know, maybe I, I think Green Bay is a team that's probably going to be active once more, you know, around that. It's not really the trade deadline, but that early season uh, run where guys like Whitney Merciless are like, hey, Houston, how about you uh, do me right and let me off of my contract and let me hit waivers and like go try to chase a ring. Like I think Green Bay is going to be kind of in that market for some guys for depth on the defensive side. Which is why I brought up Quinn, and I know we, we've already talked about this, but um, Preston Smith, very um, versatile guy. He, he's durable, I should say. Uh, doesn't really miss games, but Rashawn Gary did. And I know it didn't happen in 2021, but I mean, 2020 is not far away, and he did miss plenty of time where uh, you have to just think about that next, uh, the, the line after him, your backups and whatnot. And, and by adding Quinn, all you're doing is taking reps off of Gary and, you know, prolonging their season. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I don't think Chicago is going to do it. I mean, I think the uh, Julius Peppers thing still, still, <laughs> still lingers for, for Chicago where they're like, dang, I don't know if we would have released him if uh, we knew Julius is going to end up in Green Bay. Um, the next team, Kansas City Chiefs. What are their best and worst case scenarios look like? I think best case, case scenario, their defense takes another step. A guy like a George Karloftis is able to turn some stuff around in terms of their pressure. Hopefully those young inside linebackers take another step, right? They just added another corner and uh, Trent McDuffie. And then offensively, it's almost like the Green Bay situation, right? They don't have a bunch of uh, pass catchers anymore, but hopefully Patrick Mahomes takes care of it. Um, I guess that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is, those things don't happen where it's like, uh, wait, we actually have Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scanling out there, you know, on a down and down basis for Patrick Mahomes. And we have a bunch of young guys who aren't really super productive on the defense. Worst case scenario, uh, Sky Moore isn't going to get used to the physicality of the NFL and struggles as an undersized guy. Um, MVS plays like wide receiver for Nicole Hardman never takes another step. And now you're stuck with Juju catching five-yard crossing routes and third and a lot of third and sevens because you cannot run the ball with CEH. You are hoping Trent McDuffie and Karloftis both hit the ground running. They kind of need those guys to, to be clear. Like their depth chart on defense, we were talking about comparing them to the Packers, uh, just night and day as far as talent, speed, athleticism go. Uh, you mentioned their linebackers. They're not going to get fast overnight. So, again, the hope is with a guy like Chris Jones, with Karloktis, with hopefully Frank Clark uh, returns to the level that we've seen him play at a high level. Um, you're hoping that you get all of those contributions because if not, man, now you're just talking about shootouts. And if that if you get to shootouts without a Tyreek Hill, we've seen Patrick Mahomes go Texas Tech at times where, you know, he's just chucking it, heaving it. And playing like he knows his defense can't get a stop. And that's when Mahomes is at his worst. And obviously those are few and far between. And that's not consistently what he does. But um, I've gone back and forth with the Chiefs. I really don't know what to expect with them. Um, 
I don't think that they're going to miss the playoffs because of their quarterback, but I wouldn't be like shocked knowing the strength of the AFC if they get caught in this nine win and everybody else has nine wins and they just lose a tiebreaker and they're on the outside looking in. The other thing too, um, in terms of the high end, and I know it was just one game, but boy, was that one game nice. Jarek McKinnon just resigned on a one-year deal. I mean, he had 150 or he had 142 uh, yards from scrimmage in that playoff game against the Steelers. Um, he obviously hadn't shown that in the regular season, um, but if he can do anything close to that, where he looked, I mean, that game he looked better than I've ever seen him play at, at the NFL level. And I know he's a 30-year-old running back who's been banged up a ton recently. Um, so it's always tricky to kind of hang your hat on that. But if they can get anything close to that, that's when like Kansas City goes superpower mode, right? If Jarek McKinnon can bring you that consistently out of the backfield, how do you even stop this offense if Patrick Mahomes is throwing the ball? You need a guy who can win in space, and that's exactly who he is. Uh, for whatever reason, CH hasn't been able to do that. They brought in Ronald Jones. He's not going to be a guy that's going to win in space. So I see why they bought in Jet. And I mean, it's, it's probably going to be tough to duplicate what he did in the playoffs, but he doesn't have to give them that every game. He just needs to do like 70% of that and they'll be fine. The next team, the Dallas Cowboys, I feel like this is, they are one of the bigger question marks in the league coming into this year to me, Um, because they certainly have a lot of potential, but it's still potential at the end of the day. So you, I think you look at, what is consistent? I think their interior offensive line is going to be good. Uh, Zach Martin, Tyler Smith playing guard. Um, you know, Dak Prescott at quarterback. Everything else is kind of a question mark. I mean, wide receiver, they're, they're losing some talent there. What does it look like now, right, when it's just CD and, and Michael Gallup, basically? At running back, is Zeke going to take another step? Is Tony Pollard actually the, the running back one, and can he handle that kind of workload? Um, you look at uh, tackle even. Tyron Smith, like, is is he still that elite caliber left tackle or is he actually, you know, aging? Because that, that seems to be an issue that's come up. Defensively, can you keep moving uh, Micah Parsons around? Can you afford it with the depth that you have elsewhere, right? Um, Malik Hooker, who they just signed, is he going to be able to stay healthy, right? Like, we saw it last year a little bit, but is he going to be able to – kind of take that step where he looked like he would have been a top 10 pick if he were healthy, right? Uh, Trayvon Diggs, what are you getting out of him? You know, he's kind of a boomer bust corner on a down-to-down basis. Like, there, there's just so many questions on this team to me that I could see them, you know, if if all the things on offense turn right, I could see them winning 12, 13 wins, right? But if if those things break wrong, I could see the Eagles like sneaking like one game ahead of the Cowboys and ended up getting the playoffs instead of them. Yeah. So um, they invested a lot in Kelvin Joseph and that's not going to be a thing anymore. So that means I thought he was actually going to take a step. I, I think the regression from Trayvon Diggs is going to be brutal this year and there is no way for them to hide him. There is no way around that because of who else they have. Uh, that is going to be scary. And the, the one way you can protect Diggs is with a pass rush with Lawrence, uh, with Parsons. But you mentioned the depth all around. I actually don't think they'll be they'll, – I think they'll be fine at wide receiver. Uh, they drafted Jalen Tolbert. And then Dak's going to put the ball where he needs to do. 
and he he essentially will throw guys open. But the offensive line you mentioned, I don't know that Tyron Smith's going to make it double-digit games, man. Like, he started yeah. 11 games last year, but he was struggling in a lot of those games. Like, he's bracing for himself. Like, he's he was, like, holding his arm on a lot of times. It's just – it doesn't look natural. It doesn't look like he'll be able – it. I'm surprised he made it through um, into the playoffs even. So um, it, it would not be a surprise if Dallas didn't even win the division, as you mentioned, which is kind of crazy just knowing how, you know, they're the NFC least quote unquote. But uh, again, it, it comes back to Dak and he, I don't know if it's fair to say he has to go, you know, hero mode, God mode, but there's a lot of pressure on the Cowboys just because they're always ours. And it, I mean, Dak, man, um, Good luck. Go get them. You're going to have to overcome some coaching. We didn't even talk about what Mike McCarthy yeah. is going to do in a close game. Uh, I would not place my money on the Cowboys this year. I, I would I would go under here just because of the question marks. And, yeah, man, uh, their secondary just leaves a lot to be desired is what I'll say. They're probably going to be the team that I watched the most early on in the season. because just to see, like, what's going on? There's so many question marks that will be able to be answered fairly early, I feel like. Um, the next team, the Los Angeles Rams, obviously coming off of the Super Bowl. I don't even know how much we need to talk about this team. They're basically running the same team back that just won a ring. And we already talked about probably what's going to be the biggest hinge point outside of, I guess, you know, Andrew Whitworth not returning, right? Like, can can they uh, hold up with Joe Notaboom at left tackle? Then the next biggest question to me is, okay, what does Stafford look like? Is he actually having to get shot up in that elbow, right. you know, all the time? And, you know, is he, is he going to be able to do this at a high level for a, a long enough period? So you have Allen Robinson and is he going to be an upgrade over OBJ? Which I guess we'll see, right? Like I thought, I thought last year was the first year I was like, Allen Robinson's actually washed. And I, I know a lot of people will say, you know, you got to put it on on the quarterback. But if you watch the film, like it doesn't he wasn't making a ton of plays. He wasn't gaining a lot of separation. I'm actually kind of surprised he got the amount of money that he did, which good good for the Rams if they think that, you know, he wasn't. Uh, I, I guess if, if the justification from the Rams side has to be he wasn't really trying and he wanted out. Right. If right. you're willing to give him that money, because it didn't look like it on film we can get more out of him in our system, in our offense, because we have something to play for as opposed to collecting that veteran check, just going through the motions, hoping the season ends. I think the Rams are going to have to score a ton of points this year. I think the defense is going to take a step back. Um, They did lose quite a bit of players, quite a bit of starting talent on both sides of the ball. They still have Aaron Donald. They still have Jalen Ramsey. But after that, um, you're hoping that Leonard Floyd continues to be Leonard Floyd. They're, people think because they signed Bobby Wagner that their linebacker, their second level play is going to go to the top. And I have Bobby some is news washed. for you. Bobby that is washed. Is not going to happen. Yeah, man. And, and it's okay to say that it does not mean he had a bad career. That does not mean he's not all. No. However you feel about him. It's just time. And that's it. Like It's time to acknowledge that he has lost a step. So I think there's going to be a little bit of pressure on the offense. That might mean they have to rely on Van Jefferson, which it does not seem like uh, McVeigh wants to do that at all. And you mentioned the offensive line. Like, they were bad. Whenever they go up against a competent uh, to above-average defensive line, they get owned in the trenches. So we'll see how Sean McVeigh kind of coaches around that. But, I mean, it's Matt Stafford, and I think he's going to be fine. I think, you know, 
Donald and Rams are going to make enough plays where they're still going to be one of the better teams in the conference. But the Super Bowl hangover, that's real, and we have to acknowledge that as well. So there's going to be an, an inevitable step back for this team. Well, the the scouting staff jumped into a pool when they drafted Logan Bruss <laughs> two to three rounds higher than what he was projected to go. So, yeah, I mean, the Super Bowl hangover thing, this is what it feels like, right? Like not a great offensive line, like some pretty big swings at wide receiver, quarterback maybe not fully healthy because he just went through a massive playoff run, right, uh, getting banged up. Like it's kind of what it feels like. The other thing too. Cam Akers, we certainly have not talked about this enough. Like, I, I, everyone brings him up as a uh, happy story about being able to return to the field. He was very bad in the playoff run. He, he averaged, what, like two yards per carry? Yeah. Not good. So we'll see what happens between him and, and Daryl Henderson. But even when Akers was banged up, they weren't willing to lean into Daryl Henderson. So why should I have confidence that they're going to be doing that this year? their offensive line is going to have to generate holes for all of the running backs. And that is not their strength. They are not one-on-one blockers. They are a product of the five up front. So when you put pressure on them, when you like get in their face or just attack gaps, it'll be tough, man. I, I th- it'll be, this is actually an offense that I'm interested to see um, how they kind of figure things out or how they kind of work the kinks out early on in the season. Next team, Los Angeles chargers. I like this team a lot, and I'm going to talk myself into them the entire offseason. I mean, I just like the upside. Wide receiver, they got Keenan Allen. Um, Rashawn Slater, one of the best young left tackles in the league. Uh, they just got Zion Johnson uh, at, at guard. I think he's going to be very good. You get Austin Eckler catching passes out of the backfield. Justin Herbert under center. Obviously, the stars, uh, you know, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Derwin James. Asante Samuel Jr. had a great year last year for a rookie on the defensive side. I think the downside, though, their worst position heading into the offseason was right tackle. They have not addressed that at Still all. got Storm. <laughs> yep. Who Storm, Storm played for us in the XFL. I did not think Storm was going to be a two-year starter in the NFL at right tackle for one of the contending teams. Like He's back, baby. Good, good for him for being able to do that. But uh, I, I would have thought, you know, Par, uh, I mean, Donald Parham was on this same team is would have gotten more burned than him. Um, so I think the big issues, right, are maybe you didn't do enough for the defensive interior to stop, you know, the run game stuff that, that they had issues with on the defensive side. At right tackle, uh, you obviously have a, a massive question mark. At wide receiver – maybe you don't have enough uh, talent there for, for the field stretchers, right? Like maybe Josh Palmer doesn't take that next step. Um, I could really see this like kind of boomer busting, especially in the AFC West when, I mean, there's a, a chance any of these teams finish last in that yes. division, right? Yes. So like I could see the Chargers being the number one seed in the AFC and I could see them being the fourth team in the AFC West. I have no idea what to do with this team. And you mentioned the stars. I thought they did a good job of adding role players and bodies. So like Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Christian Covington, guys who you would feel fine about leaving on the field as opposed to who they were rolling out last year. Um, Like who they, they just signed Kyle Van Noy. 
uh, sneaky good signing, right? Like he's yeah. been good everywhere, every time he's on the field. And maybe they just need more vets like that, guys who know how to play football, guys who've seen uh, what other offenses want to do with him. I'd feel a lot better about them if OBJ was at wide receiver. And you could say that about any team, but he's a free agent. He's a guy out there, and he's a guy who could help them. And whenever he does get healthy, I if OBJ goes to the Chargers, they have a very good chance of making the playoffs. I just have my concerns that, you know, both of the wide receivers stay healthy. And whoever that third guy is, whether it's Guyton, whether it's Palmer, uh, they take the next step. But at the same time, they have the best quarterback in the NFL, and he is going to lift up his surrounding parts. Um, I don't know, man. It's They're going to score points. How how much more aggressive will Staley be now that he has cornerbacks that he can trust, now that he has, you know, two edge rushers, not just one guy. So um, seeing Staley evolve will be kind of something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, it, it will be fun to see how this defense evolves now that they have some talent back there. I mean, obviously everyone looks at Joey Bosa and stuff and say, you know, how, how can you complain about having that? That's not what we're talking about. Last year, they Such didn't have excited thing to say. Yeah, they, last year they, they didn't have a ton of talent, and I know you know a lot of defensive guys don't necessarily like Staley because they think you know he acts like he he invented uh, the defenses that are coming from college, basically, and just because he's applying it to the NFL, he's getting credit for it. So there's a level of jealousy there, but. Amazing. seeing him with the talent of Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack on the edges, JC Jackson, Asante Samuel outside, hopefully a healthy Derwin James. I mean, what he'll be able to cook up and play with light boxes so that they're, they're playing coverage first and can kind of stop the run with a light box. Um, will be interesting to see. Uh, next team, the Denver Broncos. Let's dun, talk dun, about dun, the dun. damn Denver Broncos. Yeah. They're not making the playoffs. Uh, You're sure about game. that. You're I sure about know. that. So you mentioned one of these teams are going to not, I'm not so much flame out, but they're going to perform below expectations. That's going to be the Broncos. I feel like, I feel like it's easiest to talk yourself into Broncos maybe would be the best way to put it. So let's start on the defensive side before we get to the um, offensive side. They added, they need a slot corner. They added Kevin Williams because I believe they lost a guy. Um, They have Ronald Darby. They have Justin Simmons. They have Patrick Satane, Kareem Jack. They have a bunch of veteran guys who know how to play football. You are hoping, what, to get out some type of production opposite of Bradley Chubb? Who is that guy going to be on the edge? Because I send a guy to Chip Chubb. I make whoever your other edge rusher is. I don't even know who they're throwing out there, but uh, I feel good about my chances in that scenario. Okay, now we flip to the other side of the ball. Russ against or Russ throwing to Corlin Sutton, very good player. After that, question marks. Tim Patrick, probably a wide receiver three for most teams. Jerry Judy, eh, still waiting on you, pal. I love KJ Hamlin probably more than anybody, but he has to stay healthy and he has to prove. So I don't know, man. It's just oof. there. There are enough holes compared to other teams where I just don't see it. I agree. I agree. I, I'm I'm the guy who thinks, you know, Denver's probably going to finish worse than the Raiders this year. Um, they just don't inspire a ton of confidence. I know, I know people say their wide receiver unit is really good. At the end of the day, Cortland Sutton is their wide receiver one. And Cortland Sutton is a good wide receiver, but, like, 
how many things can Cortland Sutton do that like Alan Lazard can? And Alan right. Lazard is the punchline for for you know people talking about the Packers. Whereas Cortland Sutton is the reason why the Denver Broncos are going to be good. I, I don't know. <laughs> like that stuff doesn't make sense to me. I think they did some interesting stuff um, this offseason. Like uh, they were able to get Randy Gregory from the Dallas Cowboys. That's a good signing. Um, Billy Turner was waived due to a failed physical in Green Bay, bringing him in as a right tackle and having him, you know, be able to play with uh, under Hackett and Outen, um, the new offensive coordinator and head coach. Uh, I, I think that's going to be really good for them, but. I just don't see a whole ton of star power outside of like Pat Sertan and Russell Wilson. And I don't know if Pat Sertan and Russell Wilson, and I guess Bradley Chubb gets you to the playoffs alone. With that being said, Pat Sertan already, like if you want to call him corner one in the league, I, th- I think you got a case for it. That was an amazing pick for them and they nailed it. I want to see him do it in year two before I crown it. All right. Um, All right. There's no doubt. Like what you just said, like he was superb. Like he was about as good as it gets. He blacked probably out one for of the an entire rookie. season. Yeah, I was going to say probably one of the better rookie performances at a cornerback or any position um, in the past decade or so, which is pretty crazy to say. And it's even more crazy for me to say, prove it again. But <laughs> cornerback is, it's so tough, man, year over year. And now, now that people know he can play, I don't know if they're going to avoid him, but eventually he's going to have to see targets and there are so many good quarterbacks and receivers that he's going to go up against that. We're going to really get a chance to see what Sertan can do, which if anything, it's just going to be fun to watch. The last team we're going to hit the last team that's projected double digit wins uh, in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers. So when I look at this roster, obviously you're very in tune with this working for, for Niners nation. When I look at this roster, here are the question marks I have immediately. Outside of quarterback, right, which is, you know, what does Trey Lance look like instead of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? Maybe what, was there a reason why he was, you know, not able to crack the lineup last year? Or is he going to be, you know, an even better version of what Jimmy is with, you know, basically an arm? Um, outside of that, right, I look at the the interior of the offensive line. Big question mark. If it's Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Daniel Brunskill, and Spencer Burford, like that doesn't that's not what Kyle Shanahan typically has on the interior. Right. So I look at that. And then on the defensive side, there's just a lot of guys who like, you don't really know what you're getting out of them. Right. Like Javon Kinlaw, what is Javon Kinlaw going to be? Right. Uh, Jason Verrett, is he going to be able to stay healthy? Jimmy Ward, is he going to be able to stay healthy? Like, I think there's enough of those question marks on the defensive side to add to quarterback and the interior where it's like, okay, I could see the boom bust potentially. So Aaron Banks, uh, we're getting the offseason talk that, you know, he reshaped his body and he's ready to play. Best shape of his life. Uh, You know it. Second round pick. So, you know, their hope is talent. He knows what he's doing. Played at Notre Dame. So he understands football. Jake Brindle, guy who has not played since 2018. And they were just hyping him like he's this hidden gym all pro. Like Kyle Shanahan talked about him. Trent Williams talked about him. Trey Lance talked about him. Like they were all and it, it almost seemed forced. Uh, then Daniel Brunskill, who I think will probably end up winning the center job. And outside of him is Jalen Moore, who was a fifth round pick out of Vanderbilt. So we're talking about a handful of guys who have zero start, like literally no starting experience in the NFL. And that's who's going to protect Trey Lance, like your prized investment. You better hope Lance is a baller. I think he is, but you ha- like he has to be for them to you know perform up to their 
uh, where they're projected to go, like these 10 win seasons. Um, their defense is going to be nasty. I feel like they have, they added a couple pass rushes this off season. And even if they don't stay healthy, there are so many bodies that they can throw at you that I think they'll be able to protect their secondary. There's so much speed defensively that that has always caused problems for offenses. So I, th- I think, I feel like they'll have the advantage there. It's going to come back to Trey Lance. Like how, how high does he raise the ceiling of this offense? So instead of throwing seven, 10, uh, 12 yard crossing routes. Now we're talking about 15, 18, 22. Now we're having the explosive plays where um, you might not, you might not have the consistency as you had with Jimmy G, but we're talking the variance. And that's what wins games. I feel like in the NFL, where if it's third and 10, you don't have to worry about it because you know, my quarterback can get me out of this situation. And that's what it's going to come down to. They have the skill guys, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, uh, George Kittle, Trent Williams is, Probably the best left tackle in the NFL. Um, we have some stars on the other he side is. of the ball, too. He is firmly the best left tackle in the NFL. It's Don't gross. want to sound biased, but it's not close to me. Yeah, it's not, I, I've seen peak Bakhtiari. What Trent Williams did last year is a mile ahead of, of what some of these other guys are able to do. I guess that's the other big question, too, is Debo. You just mentioned him. Like, is, is he actually going to be there in, you know, September, October, November? Like, that's another big question. I can see this team missing the playoffs, which would be funny because that would bring uh, that would bring Kyle Shanahan's uh, all-time record even further below 500, which is just a funny stat to keep track of, even though it's a little bit disingenuous to count that first year. Um, yeah, I'd say, yeah. Have you seen that roster? You should go to our lads and look at that 17 it's roster. It's it bad. And I've seen him win games with like Nick Mullins that he had no reason winning at all. Kyle Shanahan is a good good uh, coach. You may, maybe you, sh- you shouldn't let him talk to the players, but he's a good coach. But there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of question marks here, right? So like that interior, it is going to be a problem. By the way, preseason week one, NFL Network, that interior versus Kenny Clark. We're gonna we're gonna find That's some good. answers. We're gonna find some answers early. Um, so that interior, Debo Samuel. Trey Lance, you know, whatever Javon Kinlaw, Jason Verrett, and Jimmy Ward end up looking like this year. That's a lot of questions and a lot of important questions, too. I mean, you could argue those are the most important positions in football. Do they make the playoffs? I think so, but they're going to need some of these things to break their side, right? Like, they can't have these question marks on defense and not a good offensive interior. So that offense interior is going to have to make up for that defense. Like it's going to have to be one or the other. Ken Law has to play. Like that's yes, like he has to play for the entire season. And if he does, I feel like they'll be fine. On the other side of the ball, you just can't have like seeds. You can't have blocking sleds. So all those guys we mentioned, whether it's Banks, Brunskill, Brindle, uh, Moore, only one of those guys can be a liability. If you have multiple guys where Trey Lance doesn't trust the dudes in front of him blocking to keep him contained, now he's starting to bail quicker than he has. Now his eyes stop to drop or start to drop instead of keeping his eyes downfield for a receiver. Like those are the things you don't want him to have. Uh, those are the habits you don't want him to form, especially early on in the season. Yeah, Trent, Trent Williams being the best left tackle in football isn't going to do much for you if you can't trust the interior at all. Right. Um, but all that said, think about it. Like you just talked about it. They, they were able to win with Nick Mullins. They were able to able to win with Brian Horry, C.J. Beathard, and with less talent around him. So yeah. the Kyle Shanahan offense provides space for you. Everybody, like These guys are going to be open. It's just about you finding them. So I, I, they're going to score points. All righty. We ran through our nine. Those were the nine teams that uh, 
at least the sports books think that are kind of the top contenders in the league. I, I feel like we feel pretty good about Buffalo and Tampa. And then everyone else, it's like, yeah, there's a season to be played. There's a season to be played. Do you have any parting thoughts, KP? No, I, I feel like you hit on the head. Uh, Buffalo's going to be great. We know that. Tampa Bay, probably going to be good as well. But you can pick holes in all these teams, which makes it fun to talk about, man. And, um, I imagine if you were to ask 10 other people, uh, you'd have 10 other opinions on this, which makes it fun. All righty. Well, leave some comments, some nice reviews for us. Five stars only, please. No, n- Nothing less than that. Uh, tell us how much you love our voices more than uh, RJ and Pete. See you guys. Uh, see you guys next week. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this: high-quality leads, fast-closing deals wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.